You're listening to Athleisure Kitchen, where you'll get the inside scoop with those in the culinary world from celebrity chefs, food personalities, restaurateurs, and more. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith of Athleisure Mag, so set an extra plate as we chat all things culinary. On today's episode of Athleisure Kitchen, we head to one of our favorite whiskey destinations, the Flatiron Room. We sat down with its owner, Tommy Tardy, to find out what drove him to opening this restaurant and whiskey enthusiast venue, what they are up to this holiday season, and how they continue to satiate their guests' taste with their whiskey curation. In addition, we talk with Darren Foy, head bartender, to find out some tricks that we can use when making our next drinks and how he stays inspired in this fast-paced industry. This episode was recorded in the Flatiron Room in the Flatiron District of New York. Flatiron Room. What was your background before? So my my real background, like what I went to school for, was advertising. I used to be a creative director in advertising before I got into hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once I ventured into hospitality, I started with a small lounge, mm. um, had moderate success with the first lounge. Uh, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could charge even more for the same drink? Mm-hmm. And that's where I went into the nightclub scene wow. and uh, I opened up a couple nightclubs uh, and they were they were very profitable um, margins in, in, in clubs are, are pretty high mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't a lifestyle I really enjoyed uh, and I decided I wanted to stay in hospitality mm-hmm. but if I stayed in hospitality I'd want to open up a place that I enjoyed going to a right. place that kind of put me as the demographic mm-hmm. uh, and that's how that was kind of the genesis of, of Flatiron Room wow. I, I I, I looked at it, and rather than you know do field research, I said, okay, I'm going to build a place that I would want to hang out at and that I would want to take my friends to. Wow. So walk our, our listeners and readers who may not be familiar with the Flatiron Room. Like, what can you expect when you come here? Uh, I, I think the... Probably the key word is an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, We want guests to have an experience when they come here. Um, We want there to be theater in in the the overall experience. Mm -hmm. And when I say theater, uh, you know, people that have been here, they they usually equate that to with the music on stage. Mm -hmm. But um, the theater really is is the whole dynamic of the room. Like when you walk through the room, um, sure, you'll see people on stage, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's part of the theater. Theater, but also the way our, our servers are trained and the way they pour, even pour the drinks at the table, um, the way they climb up and down the ladders, uh, mm-hmm. the way they crush ice from a 1920s ice crusher. That's all part of the theater. It's all part of the kind of the choreography of the room. Wow. Yeah. And how many whiskeys do you have here? Well, uh, <laughs> the great question, and I can't give you an accurate answer, but I would say around twelve to fifteen hundred unique expressions. Wow! Yeah, and that was that was kind of a journey in itself. When I first opened, I thought it would be I thought two hundred and fifty would be a respectable number. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to have two hundred and fifty whiskeys, and I thought that would be if I could have two hundred and fifty whiskeys, that'd be great. And at the time, you know, I thought I knew a lot about whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I quickly realized that I, I knew nothing about whiskey um, because as I started purchasing these whiskeys, I started getting engaged in conversations that knew about the whiskeys. Um, and that's when I, I kind of went down the route of I needed to, I needed to get more 
in-depth knowledge of these spirits. Mm -hmm. And I came from prior to to working in hospitality. I was used to be a creative director, and I tend to be very uh, visually orientated, mm -hmm. um, very right-brained. Uh, so I went to I traveled around a lot to learn about whiskey. So I, I spent a fair amount of time in Scotland and mm -hmm. just meeting with the distillers and, and seeing how it was made, and that really helped my knowledge level a lot. Um, coming back from these trips, I would bring in new whiskeys, mm -hmm. and 250 turned into 300, turned into 400, uh, 500, and then what I quickly realize is that once you become known for your whiskey, mm -hmm. you have a responsibility to guess to have all the new whiskey as it right. comes in. Mm -hmm. So it's something I didn't really factor into my uh, algorithm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the more the more people came in, um, I had an obligation. They were saying, oh, you don't got the new release from Glamourangi? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, oh, we have to get it. And, yeah. Uh, and then we breached a thousand and then there was no turning back. So that's an, I mean, and I love the whole, you have all of these really nice cabinets sure. and that people actually can store their own whiskey. Yes. Yes. So, um, should we drink this? Yeah. So I was like, we should probably drink yeah. this now. <laughs> all right. Kimmy, cheers. Yes, cheers. Yeah. Thank you very much. Sure. Dragon breath. I know. I was like, "Whoa!" Little Game of Thrones moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the idea with I call it bottle keep. Um, okay. Before moving to New York City, I lived in Hawaii, um, and when I was in Hawaii, uh, I was into surfing a lot, and a lot of my buddies were Japanese. Mm -hmm. um, and we we traveled to Japan quite a few times, and mm -hmm. we would go. I was younger at the time, so we would go to this nightclub district mm -hmm. called Rapungi. Rapungi, mm -hmm. yeah. Even in Tokyo. <laughs> I remember, I remember that it was. I just remembered that they. I thought it was such a cool concept. They had these bottles that were stored, mm -hmm. um, and I thought that would be. At the time, I didn't think anything. I just thought it was a cool concept, but yeah. it must have stuck in my long-term memory. Um, and then when I opened up this, I, I thought it would be, having been in the nightclub business, I understood mm -hmm. bottle service. And yeah. Bottle service was something that I, I didn't want to do, mm -hmm. but I thought if there's a way of taking the concept of bottle service and kind of maturing it a mm -hmm. bit, uh, and then, then I reflected back on my trips to Japan, mm -hmm. and I said, that'd be cool. So I... And also bottles just happen to look great when they're displayed. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're beautiful and you hit them with the light and you're mm -hmm. a visual person. Exactly. So, you know, you uplight them and they just, they look stunning. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's not, you know, and also in New York City, it's like, you know, yeah. space is a, it's a, premium. It's a commodity. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to incorporate the bottles into the architecture. Wow. Um, so I, you know, I allocated all the space for the bottles and it was a, it was a hard road initially because we had all this space and you know, like the first night we opened, uh, I think we sold three that were you know, friends and families mm -hmm. that purchased them. And I was like, wow, we have about like kind of 800 <laughs> more to go before mm -hmm. this place looks legit. Uh, but, you know, over the years, it just kind of grew. And, mm -hmm. and now we have more demand than we do supply. So wow. in our manager's office, we have an actual room where we store extra bottles. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. what are your three favorite go-to whiskeys? Oh, gosh. That's right. Uh, we ask the hard questions. You, the, the tough hitting <laughs> questions. Well, they change. Um, but I think anybody that knows whiskey, um, I could throw it back to you and you'd probably have a hard time answering because it, it's very situational. I mean, True. whiskey is, you know, it, based on the season, based on the time of day, mm -hmm. based on the mood. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, fortunately I have 
over a thousand to, to choose from right. for my many moods. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that some of my 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 hands down favorites that I I, I tend to revert back to is I always go to Glendronic. Glendronic mm-hmm. 18 is one of my my go to favorites. Wow. Um, I love uh, I love a good uh, Beaumore. Um, I, if I'm going to go with peat, I tend to like something that has a nice balance of sherry mm-hmm. to kind of get that smoky, sweet um, mm-hmm. elements. Uh, you know, because I'm American, I got to represent and say throw in a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, I exactly. tend to like my bourbons cask strength. Mm-hmm. So, you know, E. H. Taylor as a as a, a, a foolproof um, whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, bourbon, I, I just say a cast drink bourbon. I love Michter's. I love uh, a lot of things from Buffalo Trace. Mm. Um, some of the Buffalo Trace antique collections are always good. Yeah, um, nice. Not as affordable as they used to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. yeah. I love that. And so what are three cocktails here that our listeners and readers should be trying when they come here? Uh, three In your co- opinion, of the opinions, moment. <laughs> Uh, Do you have a three favorites? Yeah, or? well, we had the one that we're we're drinking right now mm-hmm. is is called our smoking old fashioned. Um, you know, we talked earlier about being theatrical. I'd Absolutely. say this is one of those theatrical cocktails, mm-hmm. but it's not all fluff. The yeah. the the smoke that's. Um, that's put in the cocktails. The the phenols from the smoke actually attach to the to the liquor, and it, it mm-hmm. gives a um, it gives like some residual smoke um, in in the flavor. Uh, I like this cocktail because mm-hmm. being a visual person, yes. I always say, you know, the first drink is with the eyes, the second drink is with the nose, mm-hmm. and then the third drink is with the mouth. Yep. Um, so this kind of delivers on all three when it mm-hmm. comes across the it's room. A nice yeah, exactly. It comes across the room. You see the smoke in it. Um, you lift off the cap and it's it has that kind of wow moment where mm-hmm. people smell it and they're like oh what is that um, but it delivers on the the final product because it it just happens to taste taste as good as it looks and as good as it smells mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. and what type of you know what what are the perfect pairings with whiskey in terms of things on your menu and sure uh, you know, it's 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 somewhat of a subjective question. I've been to a lot of different whiskey tastings where they've mm-hmm. they paired um, things that people would not normally expect to mm-hmm. pair with whiskey. Um, I, for me, I I, I like uh, I think cheese pairs really well with Absolutely. whiskey. It has like this kind of creaminess and this richness that kind of coats your mouth first, mm-hmm. um, and then having the alcohol and you know. Having it, it interact with that the, the, the viscosity in your mouth, um, it, it just does something really special, and it brings out flavors that you you normally uh, wouldn't mm-hmm. expect. Um, I will say, if 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 I'm drinking drinking something really old, really fine, and I really want to just focus on that, mm-hmm. I don't want to complicate my palate at all. I don't mm. want to introduce any of the flavors. Wow. Um, so if it's if it's something you know moderately priced, sure I can experiment with it. But if someone's pouring me you know a 25 year or a 35 year whiskey, mm-hmm. I want to just enjoy enjoy every aspect of that, everything from every subtle nuance that um, I get. Because a good for me a good whiskey is something that develops on your palate. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people they maybe they think you just have a sip of whiskey and then that's it. But if you really, you, you go in deep on, on the flavor of whiskey, um, it's, it evolves. It evolves mm-hmm. what initially hits your mouth 
um, after the alcohol starts burn, burning off, mm -hmm. um, new flavors will, will appear and, and they'll grow and they'll resonate on your palate. Um, so, and I think that's a lot of the reason why it's it's such a sipping, great sipping drink. You take mm -hmm. a sip, you sit back, you let it have it, its way with your palate and you just enjoy all it has to offer. Mm. Well, with the holidays coming up, um, New Year's Eve and Christmas and sure. parties, what events are you doing here in terms of things that the public is available to come to? Sure. Well, the 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 fourth quarter for us, or, or this, this the holiday season, mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of guests that come in from out of town, um, and unfortunately, they 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 come in and they see that we're we're closed for private events. It's mm -hmm. it's the season we do we are closed a lot of days for yeah. private events. So I always recommend uh, calling in advance um, mm. to make sure that we're open. Mm -hmm. uh, with that said, uh, we do have some great events coming up that are available to the public, and mm. they're a great opportunity uh, for you to bring in some guests from out of town to get mm -hmm. a taste of old New York. Um, we have a we have Thanksgiving, a great feast that we're doing on Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. uh, a prefix uh, dinner. We have New Year's Eve mm -hmm. that we're throwing a great party. We have wow. a, a tremendous brand called Carte Blanche that's mm. uh, performing live here. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, Christmas Day, uh, another oh, wow. another event. So there's a lot of events that you can go to that especially if you want to entertain some of the guests that you're having from out of town. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, usually the weekends are we don't have corporate events, so mm -hmm. you know those are always good days to come. But um, November still still here, still here and open. Yeah, bit. you can still you can still come and check check us out. So, do you still do like inspirational travel in terms of like finding new whiskeys? Do you yeah yeah it's. Uh, one of the best things about the job, I think, mm -hmm, you know, exactly. getting, getting inspired. Um, I, I fortunately get a chance to go to Scotland quite a bit mm -hmm. and when, I'm, when I'm over there, um, meeting with people, meeting with some of the distillers. Um, you know, I'll learn about new expressions that mm -hmm. come out. Um, and it's funny, it's such a, the knowledge, my knowledge base has evolved so much and every year I think I know a decent amount of whiskey, mm -hmm. but then the following year I look back and I think, God, I really didn't know much. Yeah. You know? So today, if you ask me if I know a bit about whiskey, I'd mm -hmm. say, yeah, confidently, yes, I know a bit about whiskey. Um, if we had the same conversation next year, I'd probably look back and be like, oh, God, oh, I, didn't, I knew nothing. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. It's a fun journey, and I love learning, and I love traveling, so mm -hmm. uh, it all works out. What are three things that you put in your carry-on when you're traveling to make you feel like you're at home or to relax after having copious whiskey tastes? Ah, uh, great. Um, three things that I bring with me. Um, headphones, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, melatonin. 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 Oh, melatonin yes. Melatonin is mm -hmm. my, my go-to. Nice. Yeah. Uh, because generally, if I'm if I'm traveling to Scotland, it tends to be an overnight flight, and mm -hmm. that uh, you know that 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 gets me there um in a flask flasks, yes flasks are always fun you know <laughs> and the funny thing is i'll usually come back with with one as well right so, well because you have to have a collection they can't be collection. lonely right exactly <laughs> well is there anything else that you want to share with our, our listeners and readers that they need to know about the flat iron room well if you haven't experienced us yet please come down and experience us um i think it's uh it's a unique experience, especially, um, you know, if you're a New Yorker, uh, people love those New York experiences. Um, 
and if you haven't checked out my other property called Fine and Rare, it's on 37th Street. I recommend going to try that out as well. Uh, it's a very similar vibe. Um, it's a little bit more food focused, um, but we also have a, a very large dynamic selection of whiskey. Whether you're on holiday or just taking some much needed time, we have a number of episodes that you can enjoy binging at Athleisure Kitchen that takes you behind the dishes and stories of some of our favorite chefs, TV food personalities, and more. Catch up on season one of Athleisure Kitchen with some of our faves, including Chef Marcus Samuelson, Top Chef Judge Gail Simmons, Chef Elizabeth Faulkner, and No Kid Hungry's Jenny Dirksen. Make sure that you're following us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. Um, I think it would have been when I came to New York. Um, mm-hmm. I'd bartended for around eight, nine years before I had Scotland and from. Um, it was admittedly more for financial gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I was studying at university and I needed some extra cash. I very quickly fell in love with the kind of interaction you have with the public. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't so much about the drinks or the, or the crafting the cocktails, it was the actual interaction, the, the constant evolving communication with the, with the public that really uh, kind of grasped my, uh, my love. Uh, and when I moved to New York, I just noticed the, the bartender scene in New York, it was, it was cool. Yeah. Um, you, know, you felt quite, almost kind of like uh, important behind your bar. Mm-hmm. It was your fortress. Yep. Um, and so I really started to kind of like delve into cocktails. Um, as a Scotsman, we're, we're much happier with a, you know, a single dram or a, or a gin and tonic or a vodka, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started to notice very quickly that, that uh, with my kind of background in music and art is that I, I really enjoy crafting cocktails. Nice. Um, so when I actually finally applied to come to the Flatiron Room, mm-hmm. um, I had learned you know, your basics, your, your classic cocktails, Manhattan, Sazerac, etc. Mm-hmm. But I came here and I was immersed in a, a insanely... Uh, very uh, cumulative amount of cocktails we do in this bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it would have been when I first came to New York and really felt that this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to interact with the public. I want to learn more. I want to educate. I want to form as well. It's a constant back and forth between mm-hmm. the public and yourself. So it's. Uh, I think that was a reason. What is a shift like here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Can I say that on radio? Um, <laughs> it can be anything. Uh, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, Tom had mentioned a few times the word subjective. I think that's yep. the perfect word for the hospitality mm-hmm. sector. Um, we can have a, a beautifully nice, relaxed night with uh, your fantastic cocktails, great music. We can be slammed to the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend an entire evening not talking to your fellow bartender because you're flying cocktails out. Yeah. Um, it's it's constantly changing, and mm-hmm. by being, uh, as I said before, this constant evolving kind of entity, mm-hmm. it helps to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Um, no day is the same. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you have to be prepared for whatever comes that day. You, you may have a great customer. You can have a slightly argumentative customer. Mm-hmm. Um, you may spend 20 minutes making a beautiful cocktail and yep. sent back. You can spend five minutes making a simple cocktail and, and they, they praise it to the heavens. Wow. Um, so every day, in my opinion, is, is a new day. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, again, going back, that's why I really love bartending because yeah. it's, it's not monotonous. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So what are your three favorite cocktails that you would suggest that people have when they come to the Flatiron Room? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I normally when customers ask this, I say whiskey, mm-hmm. um, as we do have such a fantastic collection, <laughs> exactly. and, and as a whiskey lover myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we showcase already the smoking old-fashioned. Yes. Uh, 
visually, again, I think it's just a fantastic cocktail. Again, exactly as Tommy said, you drink mm-hmm. first with your eyes, yeah. with your senses. You know, we're trying to create a kind of sensory enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe the rye old fashion is taking a classic cocktail, mm-hmm. uh, probably the smoking rye old fashion, and just elevating. Um, yeah. You're adding these savory wood tones with the with the rye old fashion itself. It, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more than just a simple cocktail. Yeah. Um, one that's in the menu right now that I crafted is called the Cardamom Blossom. Oh. Um, I'm very proud of this cocktail. It's it's a link to my my uh, my wife's family and my Scottish kind of background. Wow. Um, so it's using cachaça. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's family spent some years in Brazil, and uh, once I became you know, once I moved to New York, mm-hmm. we all met up finally. One of the first gifts I was gifted was a bottle of cachaça. Uh, and so I was very interested in the flavor. Mm-hmm. I love this kind of sugarcane note. Yep. Um, my my wife's brothers uh, and cousins would make me caprinias and all these uh-huh, fantastic cocktails. Exactly. I wanted to kind of change it, and uh, I noticed we'd never had a cachaça cocktail in the bar. Mm. So it's a mix of uh, blended Scotch whiskey, which is slightly peated. It's cachaça. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're using orgeat syrup, which is like an almond syrup. It's got mm-hmm. a very nice baking flavor to it. Yeah. Uh, we're adding lemon juice. We're adding pichot bitters. We're adding some honey, and wow. we're adding cardamom. Um, it's an egg white cocktail, which mm-hmm. I love to make. Uh, any egg cocktails I adore. I love the viscosity of it, the way it looks. Um, but it's very light and very plain. I, I, I'm proud of it because I think it's quite an elegant drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, personally, in all seriousness, I just think a very well-made Manhattan old-fashioned. Absolutely. Um, it's such an easy cocktail to create. It's also very easy to, to muck it up. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I tend to do when going to a new bar is to order a Manhattan old-fashioned mm-hmm. because I want to see how they make it. Um, I've had old fashions with full chunks of orange, uh, cherries, and, yes. and so I, I kind of go back to the old class, but that's, that's, to me that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a well-made Manhattan, which in my opinion we do very well here, uh, it's just a beautifully elegant and standard classic cocktail. Wow. And, and how do you, you were just talking about the, the cocktail that you crafted. Yes. Like, where do you find your other inspirations for other cocktails that you crafted? I think that's, I mean, that's again going back to communication. Yeah. Um, talking to the public, talking to your fellow bartenders, fellow mm-hmm. servers. Um, I have a, a kind of music and artistic background, so mm-hmm. I, I feel like I like creating. Uh, from the second I could see over a stove, my mother in Scotland had me cooking. So wow. I love to cook, I love, I love creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I have like an artistic ability where, where I, I, I take great pleasure in inventing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well that uh, people tend to be kind of cautious when trying new things mm-hmm. um, and I really hope that people realize that's, that's, that's not a good thing to do. You have to kind of right. dive into it. You have to mm-hmm. try new things. Um, so a lot of my inspiration comes from, from bar diving with my wife, from trying new cocktails, mm-hmm. uh, from say receiving a new bottle of whiskey in the bar and yep. smelling new flavors and thinking well, that, that could work with chocolate. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a constant evolving process. Um, also, as I said before, communication. Um, it's great talking to fellow bartenders, fellow in, uh, industry professionals. Mm-hmm. And hearing why they choose yeah. certain bitters or certain garnishes, it helps to kind of uh, it helps to evolve your own personal ability. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd say communication is definitely key in terms of to, uh, in terms of learning how to make new content. Absolutely. And what are your favorite whiskeys? Oh, yeah. um, there's always a hard hit question. It's hard. I mean, we're, we're we're sitting in a bar surrounded by. Bottles. Well, that's why I said it. Um, I have to admit, I'm, I would I, I would lean towards similar as Tommy Arona said. It's subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Scotsman, trained through. I am slightly biased. Mm-hmm. I do believe Scotch is some of the best uh, tipple on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like you know, for uh, if I'm having a nice meal with my wife, it might be something like like a peated with sherry back tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore Isla whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I'm drinking a lot of Cahoman. Mm. Uh, they have a port cast matured, which is simply stunning. Again, going back to uh, our owner is quite similar to my my palate. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of sumptuous flavor of, of, of toasted barrel peat salt. 
with like a nice back tone of sherry plum fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently came back from a trip to, uh, to Kentucky, uh, mm. set up by Tommy. We went mm-hmm. with Fine and Rare Head managers as well. Nice. And it opened my eyes to bourbon in a way that yep. I had not really admittedly immersed myself. Now, in mm-hmm. the position that I'm in, I have to be kind of right. open to everything mm-hmm. in order to educate as well to learn myself. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, bourbon-wise, I love Hellrock Solera. Yep. It's a very, very beautiful. Uh, it's, it's an elegant bourbon. I keep using this word elegant, but it's, it's not as sweet, I find, as most bourbons. Exactly. Um, one of my kind of like things with bourbon is I find it sometimes a bit too sweet for my palate. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I find a bourbon that's aged longer or, again, cast strength, has a little bit of a kick mm-hmm. to it, I really love that flavor profile. Um, but I, again, I'm biased. I'd have to say probably you could, you could sling me 12 different bourbon dries. I'll go to, to Scotch quite a lot of times. I kind of stick to what I like. So for the people who make like their favorite whiskey drinks at home, or maybe they're intimidated, but they want to make a whiskey cocktail, what are like suggestions you have for them in terms of the types of things they need to have on hand? Um, I mean, first of all, I definitely see having the correct tools. Right. So making sure that you have, say, you know, strainers in your house, mm-hmm. cocktail shakers, your glass stirrers, um, things as important as even just good ice. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back to the very basis when you're crafting a cocktail. If you're using broken up ice and it's breaking into the cocktail, it's diluting it too much. Mm-hmm. If you want to present it a certain way, are you doing crushed ice? Are we doing blazing ice? Are mm-hmm. we doing you know, ice rocks? Yeah. Um, I would recommend as well as experimenting. You, you would know your own palate. Um, again, maybe step away from that. Mm-hmm. If you know that you like a certain flavor and you know that you can craft a good cocktail, why not remove that entirely and try something completely new? Yeah. Uh, you might not like it, but it may open your eyes up and open your head to more ideas and more involvement in your experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well, good bitters, good mixers, cordials can help the process. Mm-hmm. Um, having a variety of such, such as having you know, a, a mixture of different whiskeys, bourbons, rice, scotches, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, all promote different flavors. Uh, every palate is different, therefore yeah. it reacts differently. Um, I love, I mean, your classics, Angostura bitters, your shot bitters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 20 years ago, these were specifically Angostura. Any recipe was written with, you know, add bitters, it's Angostura. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, we have a fantastic array of companies and uh, different bitters, flavors, syrups, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, Fee Brothers have a fantastic range of you know, cherry blossoms. They have uh, Aztec chocolate, walnut bitters, mm-hmm. these amazing flavors. So yeah. you have to experiment. You have to try these things. Um, and yeah, going back to this, it's, it's, it's the same as cooking. You're not going to know unless you try. Absolutely. So yeah, good uh, good tools, uh, proper ice, and and uh, an open mind. You have to mm-hmm. you have to go in there with no prejudice. You want to try something new, then you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. But just pick yourself back up and try it again, and, and tweak it here, add a little bit more, more of this. Um, you'll start to become more confident in your own ability, mm-hmm. and once that confidence grows, you become more experimentation. Pardon me, you could become more experimental. Absolutely. So my last question is, you know, you're here and you're servicing so many different people and being so creative. Yeah. What do you do to take time for yourself when you're not here and you're just enjoying life outside and from behind the bar? So what I'm doing when I'm not working. I mean, um, yes. my wife and I are big foodies. We love mm-hmm. uh, going around anywhere in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I currently live in Brooklyn and around where I live I have German beer halls, I have Japanese joints, I have, mm-hmm. I have everything around. So we tend to try new places, try new foods. Um, I experiment quite a lot on my wife. She, uh, she's probably <laughs> my biggest critic. So I tend to, you know, I tend to try like new cocktails. What mm-hmm. do you think of this? Is that too strong, too sweet? Um, downtime is probably walking my dog. Um, he's a little pain, but uh, I do love the little <laughs> guy. Um, but generally, just relaxing because you're in a you're in a high strong environment. Exactly. So you need to take time to recharge. Um, and generally, again, I, I laugh at this, but I, I think a lot of bartenders 
our time off generally results in us being in bars. Exactly. Um, because mm-hmm. it's where we're comfortable. Yep. Um, even in the house, I mean, my, my wife laughs. She says, I'm you know, stir crazy. If I'm sitting for more than 20 minutes and I'm doing something, I can mm-hmm. go to the bar. Yeah. Um, it may be the Scottishness in me that I feel more comfortable in a surrounding with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I definitely feel that bartenders, we, we, we're hermits. We like what we like. Mm-hmm. We try new things, but we always gravitate back to the bars we like. Um, yeah, I think downtime, you know, I go to the gym here and there, but uh, yeah, good food, good drink, and just generally recharging your batteries to come back and, and do the best job you can. We can't wait to sit with you again to share another great story with you at Athleisure Kitchen. Athleisure Kitchen is a part of Athleisure Studio, our multimedia podcast network, which is the division of Athleisure Media, and whose sister site is Athleisure Mag. Get the latest episode by listening, following, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, Himalaya, or your preferred podcast platform. Find out additional information by checking out the show notes. You can stay in the loop on who future guests are by visiting us at athleisurestudio.com backslash athleisurekitchen and on Instagram at athleisurekitchen and at athleisurestudio. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith. Athleisure Kitchen is executive produced by Paul Farkas and myself and is mixed by the team at Athleisure Studio. We'll be back with another episode, so make sure that you set an extra plate for us.